The retail industry, the world of selling goods and services to consumers, it's a barometer of global trends and sentiment, and it's changed a lot in recent years. In fact, figures from Statista predict that by 2025, 63% of the global population will shop online, compared to just 47% in 2020. But there are some headwinds afoot, presenting some challenges. Headlines abound of more issues, including factory shutdowns due to extreme weather, stressed supply chains and sourcing scarcity. It is a world in transition and the great challenge for the C-suite is to preempt disruption, anticipate consumer behaviour and show resilience in the face of change. Previously, business leaders leaned into past numbers to gain insight, but today the data-led transition is offering far more efficient, forward-looking and proactive solutions to the challenges of changes in the retail sector. I'm Anisha Tank. I'm an investor, broadcaster and coach. A warm welcome to this Accenture Enterprise Transformation podcast. Now, in this series, I talk to leaders from Accenture and their partners, and together we explore data-led transformations across industries from the world of insurance to telecommunications and the industrial. We look at how cloud is the enabler, data is the driver, and AI is the differentiator, and how combined they are the essential ingredients of building the future enterprise. So, as you've probably guessed, in this episode, we're looking at the retail industry. First up on my panel of guests, we have Senthil Romani, who is the Managing Director and Head of Applied Intelligence at Accenture in the Asia-Pacific, Africa, Middle East, and Latin markets. Senthil loves Mozart because he believes that applying artificial intelligence is rather like composing music. He also understands how digital programs can transform businesses for the better by solving real world problems. Hello, Senthil. How are you? Really well, Manisha. Glad to be here. Great to have you on the podcast today. Also joining us, Kun Atipon Jiransri, who is Executive Director of Technology at CP Lotus. It's a global conglomerate that operates across industries ranging from industrial to service sectors. And in December 2020, CP Group acquired Tesco Thailand and Malaysia for approximately $10 billion. CP Lotus has been supported by Accenture in its enterprise transformation over the last three years. Kun Atipon, lovely to meet you. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Manisha. Nice to meet you today. Likewise. Now, let's get into the conversation. And actually, I'd like to go to you first, Kunatipon. I'd like to understand your role a little bit better. It seems to me that you probably juggle many balls in a role like that, and you come up against the odd challenge from time to time. In short, tell us a little bit about your transformation journey. Yes. Hi, I'm Atipon. So I am the executive director leading the technology team for in CP Lotus for Thailand and Malaysia here. And as uh, you mentioned earlier that the CP has acquired Tesco Thailand Malaysia in the late 2020, my most challenge is about to build a tele-led retail system that offer a seamless experience to my customer by using the next generation technology. And I need to implement the robust integration across system to ensure the right information and data are transmitted to where they are. And then we need to serve the business, which is also considering that this retail platform must flexible, scalable, and also to serve the retail strategic growth. To give you some more context about this program, 
We have transformed over 370 systems within two to three years, and there are more than 2,700 stores and 11 distribution centers across Thailand and Malaysia, which we must transform while we also continue to do the transaction. This is mean we did this program and another part, the business is also running every day. Mm-hmm. One of my biggest challenge is how to deliver this as a team. At peak, sometimes we got thousand over team members to deliver this program from 32 nationalities sitting across 16 different countries. And moreover, we are running this program over COVID-19 situation, meaning that everything is remote execution from everywhere around the world here. Yeah? This is, um, if you ask me to share the learning, I would say that definitely how to work remotely in the a big scale project team, as well as the diversity. We cannot work in the vendor customer mode at all. If we want to be success together, we really need to work as a team, okay? And nobody perfect. So we need to learn how to close the gap of other and then move on together because we are looking for success together. That's so fascinating. It's interesting. And when you talked about having to transform more than 370 systems in such a short space of time, uh, you know, that that's remarkable to achieve that. I also thought that you were going to share um, sort of what platforms you used to do it, but actually you've talked more about the human learning, the human experience that you've gone through, which I find really interesting. How about we pick up on that with you, Sentil? Because this is a very holistic view of the change that lies ahead in retail. It isn't just about the consumer. It isn't just about the platforms that we're talking about. It's about the people who make it happen as well, which reflects the fact that the integrity of the whole chain matters. I think this is something that's come up, hasn't it, in Accenture's report on retail's responsibility reset Perhaps we can start with how important talent is and then work into some of the other major imperatives that retailers need to be mindful of. Absolutely, Manisha. And that, that is that is an amazing account that uh, you just gave there, uh, Kunom, um, on the store transformation and everything that you're all doing, uh, you know, remotely. Uh, it's, it's, it's when we started with the retail reset, Manisha, one of the key things that was very clear was that the future of retail was going to be entirely different primarily driven by the pandemic and the nature in which the buying patterns have changed from the customers. Uh, so we've effectively, when we did the retail reset, we, we divided that into five key vectors of learnings you know, for us. The first one was reset digital. Uh, second was reset fulfillment, resetting sourcing, resetting talent, and then resetting data, right? So there were really five key vectors that we, we went in. Let me start with the talent one because you hit on that. And I think that's a very, very important aspect, uh, you know, first. Uh, you know, we live in a world where there are three things that are changing, the workforces, the work cultures, and the work locations. And one of the key things about talent is the skills, you know, that you need to have there. Back to Kunom's, uh, you know, point on, um, on the integration, there are new skills and locations that are being created on an, on an everyday basis as well. Now, I just talked to you about resetting talent, but there are other things that are changing. I mean, you all heard the statistic that Manisha just talked about. A 17% increase um, in digital channels that she talked about shopping online is fundamentally dramatic. And the industry has never faced that. 
customer experience, brand building, and the operating model in which you serve your customer is fundamentally changing. That's why we call that a reset of digital. And probably the most important vector, which is the premise of this entire conversation we are having with you, is on data, which is resetting data. Now, data is the bedrock, you know, for, for retail or for any industry for that matter in today's context. But let's just talk about retail. Only 21% of retail executives say that analytics and data is being used pervasively across their organization. That's a massively known number, you know, for a industry which is needing to move and reset itself, you know, quite significantly. There were a great number of very interesting statistics in that. And I was quite surprised at sort of this suggestion that there's this low number uh, in terms of uptake and understanding how to leverage the data-led technology in this new environment. I want to drill down a little bit more on data. Kunon, can we talk about that? Data and the utility of AI. It's an incredible source of insight that you get there. It helps you understand everything a bit better across all of your outlets, across your market. But there's so much to process. I mean, that's a huge amount of information. How do you go about figuring out what's actually most relevant to you? And what role would you say AI has played in helping you navigate that landscape? Yes, Manisha. So I totally agree with you when you say earlier that cloud is enabler, right? And the data is driver, while the AI is the key differentiator. That is totally true, especially for the new retail business here. So we did apply the data and AI a lot, okay, to not just only predict the demand, okay, but it's also is help to generate the demand, okay, as well. In my case, we got around 10 million active customers. Mm -hmm. And um, we use their data right now. Like, like, I want to know Manisha, but I want to know Manisha as a Manisha. Okay, what is your identity? What is your favorite food? What is your habit, um, buying habit? Those kind of stuff. Okay, and after knowing that, not just only doing the customer segmentation, okay, but uh, we could do more and um, more advanced with 10 million active customer. So AI, we need AI to make a differentiation here to understand at each customer life state. And then we could provide a good recommendation or uh, we could predict the demand. Another example is that, um, let's say we, we can generate the demand as well. If we know that, oh, Manisha, you bought the eye cream last three months in how many ml? Uh -huh. And right now, your stock is about to run out. Okay, so that I can choose the personalized campaign to you, which is, is matched with your demand uh -huh, so that uh, we can optimize all of the um, marketing spending and then make it win-win for customer, for the company, and everyone is happy together. I love the idea of everyone being happy together, Kunon. You've talked a lot about how you can, I suppose, encourage or push these products that might be useful to your consumer as a result of having this facility something that the AI enables. I'm quite curious what that actually means for CP Lotus and sourcing and for your buyers, for example, uh, in terms of the supply side here, because one would imagine that this not only increases efficiency, but it reduces wastage. 
Yes, that's right. This is another area is about the smart supply chain planning, and you know that we are dealing a lot of fresh food, which is very short shelf life. Uh, in this case, the AI will be play a big role on the smart supply chain planning. So right now we need to do the end to end, which is up to the farming. Okay, whether what farmer will need to plant. Let's say this month we know that the demand of morning glory will come from the north or another vegetable from the south. Mm-hmm. So that we could plan in the farming that we can produce just enough to the demand. So that is not more to create the food waste or is less until we lost the sale opportunity to sell those kind of thing. So that. Um, the AI will play a big role on getting the right product in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and now I'm beginning to understand even more about how this is a holistic experience because now we're talking not just about the consumer, we're not just talking about you as the retailer, we're also talking about the fact that then there is feedback for the farmers as well, right? This is right across the supply chain. Absolutely, Manisha. We created a concept of what we call the store of the future. I mean, it's interesting we use the word store, but the store can be anything. It can be online, it can be offline, etc. And and the reason why we started creating that concept of store of the future was because there are these six building blocks that any retailer would need that don't actually change. And that's number one is just fundamentally the infrastructure of the store, whether that's online or offline. Second is driving newer experiences, you know, for these customers personalizing it, you know, wherever you are. Um, number uh, number four would be checking out. You know, you won't believe the the number of times that uh, customers get to check out and the order doesn't go through. I mean, it's it's the, the numbers, uh, you know, started with almost 70% now. It's probably in the range of 30% because a lot of, uh, you know, AI has gone into it. Automating this entire piece of uh, work that I'm telling you in terms of store of the future. And the last thing is optimizing and digitizing the workforce that you need. For example, how many people do you need to put in your store if you have a really live store? Do you need to put them there all the time? How many cashiers would you need to have, etc.? And these are very fundamental things, but these are important ones because you got to start looking at high traffic zones you got to start looking at where, where, you know, what type of, you know, purchasing do they do in that profile in the neighborhood. But takes us back to this very important question that you raised: is that the planning of the channel in which you want to operate for the for the set of customers and the cohorts, as we call it, that you want to operate becomes really important. And we call that entire phenomena store of the future, Manisha. Well, it seems amazing to talk about things like this, Kunon. Let's talk a little bit more about store of the future. So we know it's this sort of omni-channel strategy we were hearing from Sentinel there uh, that it kind of simplifies the customer experience, right? But I'm curious, for CP Lotus, what's the core focus for you in building this strategy from the ground up? I'm, I'm really fascinated by how you do even go about doing that. And plus, you have to bring all of these stakeholders on board. You know, you might be really forward-looking, but the next person you work with, or even a line manager, might not be so much. Then what do you do? So we did it all. Okay. So we even have the uh, workforce scheduler, which is using the AI to um, optimize the planning and then the scheduling uh-huh, based on the skill of the colleague. Let's say if one colleague could do um, the cashier and also doing a bakery produce bakery, okay, uh, how can we plan? So the system will suggest and then uh, at which point in time 
he or she will work in which function, okay, and followed by the labor law and everything to make it come to the uh, store of the future. Definitely, we focus on the seamless experience of the customer. So, if you are our customer, you will get what you want. If you want to go offline, you can go offline. You get everything in the store. If you want to go online, you go online. Mm-hmm. And again, you get the same product, same uh, campaign, same promotion, uh, same price, and same experience uh, everywhere. So that is our uh, ambition to to go for the seamless experience. Okay, and you are right that this one is need to start from the alignment. Uh-huh, with all of the stakeholder, so every people in the senior team, okay, need to start with the senior leadership team from commercial, from online, offline store, uh, marketing, uh, communication. So everyone will need to give the priority to every channel. And you know what? During the COVID 19 the online grew 400 Okay. And uh, we know that we need our new platform to be able to handle across 2,700 stores. And then we did that after we gone live for about uh, three months. So we expand to across the state here in Thailand and Malaysia. And first, we don't know how to operate online. Mm-hmm. So that um, there is a lot of like unlearn and then relearn from everyone in the business here. But I would say it's need to start from the top that we give the priority to every channel or omni-channel. This is the future to the business. Let's talk a bit more then, Sandil, about the store of the future concept. There is this chance, and we've reflected on this earlier in the podcast, of greater efficiency, less wastage. So I would assume that that is proof that the data-led transformation, especially the role of AI, can lead to a more sustainable end-to-end retail experience. And I want to put emphasis on more sustainable because there are some who can say, look, all of this technology, ultimately it leads to consumers buying more stuff, doesn't it? Aren't we trying to get away from that? I just mentioned six different building blocks uh, you know, of the store of the future. And the bedrock again, back to this, is AI. When you look at AI, the most important thing is data, is because data acts as the fuel for AI. I mean, and you mentioned this when you started, you know, when we say data is a driver, AI can truly be the differentiator, right, of, uh, of the entire store. The build of a CDA, as we call it, or a customer data architecture is fundamentally important. And we talked about the fact that everybody's trying to get to 360 degree view of the customer profile. But when you double click on that, what I was saying in terms of AI, there are five key use cases that we see store of the future. In most cases, the customers who are resilient building that. Number one is really the acquisition of customers itself, right? And building AI models to be able to do that and understand what type of cohorts of customers they can acquire from where. Number two is optimizing the assortment. And we call it assortment optimization in, in short and retail and doing that better Uh, it's not the 1980s and the 1990s of how that was done. Assortment has been there forever. This is a very different type of assortment planning. You're talking about bundles that, you know, customers are buying now that were not happening, you know, in the past because the nature of the generation of people who are coming to buy in your stores. 
Contextual marketing and personalization is the third important AI use case that we are starting to see, you know, applied in most cases. And again, the customer 360 informs your marketing and personalization experiences. Intelligent pricing and promotion is important because pricing pressures are always there, especially pricing pressures are always related to the channels in which you operate as well. And the last thing is really supply chain. And we talked about supply chain a bit as well with Gunam, which is having the right products, the right place, having the right, you know, purpose for your dark stores, where do you keep them? How do you fulfill them is all important. So I would say any resilient retailer who is sustainable, back to your point, could adopt any of these use cases to, you know, jump frog. Okay, but Sentil, I also want to send you a bit of a left field question around the more sustainable nature of the retail that I'm witnessing. So for example, in fashion retail now, we're seeing a big upsurge in secondhand clothing markets, secondhand luxury goods, secondhand this or that. We're seeing this more and more. Um, There's been a real proliferation of this. I'm curious to understand where this fits into the store of the future concept, because isn't that a bit of a disruptor to the traditional model? Totally is. And and you're spot on on your on your observation of, of that trend. And it's primarily, you know, starting with sustainable retail itself, you know, the, the concept that we talked about earlier, for example, could be an important uh, part of sourcing it. And it's a very critical aspect for retailers because there are three types of pressures that they face. One is the pressure to the street in terms of who they stand for and their brand. Number two, the pressure to the board and the stakeholders. And number three, the pressure to just the employees who join them, right? Because they want to, every employee today, every talent wants to join a retailer who actually, you know, is enshrined with sustainable practices, right? I mean, you take my elder daughter, for example, and she's going to be out there searching for a job. That's the first thing she tells me is that I'm going to be looking at the sustainability index of this company before I join them. And by the way, how much is yours, Accenture, right? And and there's an interesting conversation I'm, I'm having at home. So I think those three aspects are really going to be important for the for the future. You're right. You're starting to see that in, 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 in fashion and, and what we might immediately call as also as fast fashion a lot, because that was one of the parts of the industry in the retail industry, which was most susceptible to not being sustainable to begin with, Manisha. Yeah, thanks very much for that reflection, for handling that. It's something I've definitely been very curious about. Um, Kunan, I want to talk to you about CP Lotus's large footprint in Asia. This, of course, is an area of the world where climate change is going to have a significant impact. I mean, it will everywhere, but there are concerns about infrastructure uh, in Southeast Asia in particular. Let's drill down on the role of AI, all of this data, this information that you're getting how is that helping you navigate CP Lotus's green ambitions and reaching net zero targets? Because exactly as Sentel was saying there, people are looking at sustainability indexes for various companies. It affects the talent you're going to pull in, but also what your consumers think about you as a company. So definitely CP Lotus, um, we also take a lot of care on this one, okay? So we got so many programs about um, sustainability, okay? So food waste that I've been uh, talking about, so that is the one we we want to become a zero food waste, okay? Which is um, apart from doing the smart supply chain to get the right product in the right place at the right time, okay? We want to go further another step as well. Mm-hmm. If we predict, but some way, somehow we order banana, 
uh, more, right? And then we know that in the next few days, it's going to be worse. Mm-hmm. We want to transform the banana into a banana cake or baked banana to create more value added and also reduce the food waste. This is win-win for everyone, right? And also, uh, apart from that, we use the we adopt the IoT to control the temperature of our freezer or our aircon in the store, as well as uh, we use the solar roof paneling. Okay, supply some of the electricity back to our store. Mm-hmm. So um, we didn't use the plastic uh, packaging. Uh, convert to non-plastic one, okay? And also we promote a lot of the uh, recycle um, staff, right? We have the recycle machine, which is the customer could come to put the bottle and then getting more point, loyalty point, which is uh, really famous. So I think you've proven there, there are sort of many ways in which retailers can make their contribution. Um and you illustrated earlier as well, you shared a few examples on how the AI is actually helping you figure that out and reduce wastage. Let's move on, though, and speak a little bit more about AI and AI maturity. Senta, let's bring you in here, because Accenture's own research shows that only 12% of firms have actually advanced their AI maturity enough to achieve superior growth and business transformation. You've actually written on a public forum about your love of Mozart. I mentioned this in the introduction. You said AI is like composing music. So what should your clients be thinking about if they want to achieve mature and harmonic compositions? Coming to the AI maturity one, um, really there are five key things that we found in our AI maturity study, which by the way, a lot of the audience can can read through. And the first thing that we said there was championing AI as a strategic priority is super important for organizations. I mean, let's take, let's take CP Group here, right? And what Kunam talked about. It is a strategic priority. The fact that she's in that role and she's driving this clearly shows that she and the entire leadership of CP Group are the back of a- data and AI to make it the bedrock in which CP Group can can scale and grow as, as a leader you know, in the retail business. And we want a lot of organizations to do that. The second one is investing in the talent to get more on AI investments. I think we focused on that quite a bit in this, in this podcast with you. There's one example that I'm close to, one of the world's largest uh, you know, oil and gas companies, which is actually based in Southeast Asia. We created a gamified platform, which is a program that I led, which is now used by over 45,000 employees, be it wherever they are, offshore, onshore, in the rig, et cetera. And it's very interesting because all we created was an Instagram and a TikTok version to learn about AI on a daily basis. It was seven minutes of learning every day. Right. And that was very cool because we were able to engage a lot of the audience in, in, in so doing that. The third thing is industrializing the AI infrastructure as a core, right, is really important, meaning spending time and attention to understand that is, is key. You obviously want to choose products that are longer term. While you do that, you want to obviously build a lot of open source as well while you do it because AI is a fast moving world. So it's very important to put that, you know, time and attention to the AI infrastructure that you want to put ahead and that's that's very key responsibility is just not on the on the retail side responsibility is also on building ai you know right from scratch when you start building these models it's very important to make sure that the models are not built with data biases or ai biases the last thing i would say is really the investment planning is very important 
um, you know, it, it goes back to the strategic nature in which I was talking about. Take the Saudi government, for example, right? The Saudi government has invested heavily on AI. In fact, it's a budget of 20 billion that is going in by 2030 to make, uh, you know, Saudi an AI and a cognitive nation, you know, for the future as well. So I just gave you five different aspects of the AI maturity that we want organizations to, you know, to be really using and adopting. But I would say, if I can fast forward this a bit and look at retail, I'm hoping that we move the maturity quite significantly, you know, in the next year in terms of where they are on AI. But Zensel, you have the ear here of senior leadership in the retail sector. And one thing that I'm sure many of them will be thinking in the C-suite is that's all very well, but where do I find the huge amount of talent that we need to make this happen? I hear this complaint over and over uh, about the talent being rather thin on the ground at the moment. What is the recommendation? Is it to try and find people from outside the organization? Is it to retrain those who are in the organization or is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both um, really. And, and, and getting that mix right is, is probably the secret recipe for an organization. There are aspects of AI which are not complicated. Um, you know, um, there are aspects of AI which could be complicated. It depends on the nature of where you want to apply it. And the aspects of AI where it's not complicated, I would say heavily insource the talent, right? Retrain them, get people who can understand that and, and appreciate it better uh, because that's going to be the future, right? For all of us, you know, in, 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 um, in, in our organizations. The aspect where it is, it is a bit more complicated is to really use an ecosystem play of players who, who understand the subject and who can do this fast. And end of the day, the degree to which what you want to insource or you want to outsource some of these capabilities is really left to the appetite of the organizations and where and how they want to grow. Yeah, well, it's totally understandable why and how Accenture has had so many great partnerships and so many great experiences with this. So on some of those thoughts from Sentinel Kunon, do you have any reflections? I do agree that uh, we need to build the AI resource, okay? And then we have to retrain internal people. And at the same time, I want to add on that we need to build from the academic or from the university, okay? So um, from the industry, we need to work with the university to make sure that uh, they, they develop the right skill after they finish graduate. So it is in the demand of the industry right now. Thanks so much for sharing that, Kunon. And actually, that brings me to the final question, which was really to ask you to share with those listening some of the most valuable lessons that you have learned from this transformation journey at CP Lotus, from the firm's own journey around the change and the talent and the culture of the company. If you could have a fresh start, if you could do it all over again, is there anything you would do differently? And if so, what would it be? Um, first of all, set up the right expectation, okay? And then um, get the alignment with the, the top management in every area, okay? Which is uh, sometimes we need to trade off, right? Some function might get it easier. Some function will need to trade off to make the, the overall company get it better so that we the key things we must align on what is the objective. And the second one, I would say we need to balance between the can-do, the optimistic, and also the practicality. We really need to prepare for the buffer 
okay for uh, anything that could happen so we couldn't running on the lean organization uh-huh, because we need to support the current business as well as new channel that is growing okay why we do the transformation i would say that we need to encourage and then cheer up okay and make sure that we have the mood and tone right mm-hmm. it's not about the pinpoint but we aim to success together Well, you know what? I think you've closed the circle really well there, Kunan, because we started off talking about how a lot of this was about the human element, and the whole purpose of this podcast was to explore data-led transformations across industry. In fact, what we have proved is it is human-led, data-led transformations across industries, and in particular the retail industry. In this episode, with that, I'd like to thank. The both of you, Senthil Romani, managing director and head of applied intelligence at Accenture in the Asia Pacific, Africa, Middle East, and Latam markets. Uh, we also have with us Kun Atiponja on Sri, executive director of technology at CP Lotus, uh, and it's been remarkable hearing about your journey. Thank you both so much. I also want to thank, of course, our audience uh, for listening. It's always good to have you with us as we talk about data-led transformation. If you do have any feedback or questions about this podcast or the topics that we've discussed, you can get in touch with us at accenture.com/ai. I'm Anisha Tank. It just remains for me to say thank you and goodbye. This podcast is produced by EI Studios, the custom content division. Of Economist Impact. <laughs>